The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Grays floating a MILF through walls? Possibly demonic googly-eyed geico lizards? A giant fiery eagle turning into a worm? Are we just describing a post-show meeting here at Pod 617? Or is this indeed the most incredible contact ever experienced in human history? We'll report. You decide. Let's go. Welcome to a wicked mystery. A paranormal perfect storm known simply as Monsterland. The Monsterland podcast is recorded live in an undisclosed location somewhere in the heart of high strangeness, just outside of Monsterland, Massachusetts. And now, here are your hosts. Paranormal author, researcher, and speaker, Ronnie LeBlanc. And the host of The Curse of Oak Island drilling down on the History Channel, Maddie Blake. Thank you, Michael Devin, with that theme song, the best theme song in all of podcasting. I don't care who you uh, are, what you listen to, that's the best theme song you're ever going to get in podcasting So history. sweet. So sweet. Uh, I want to change the intro, Ronnie. Mm. I want to change the intro to History Channel's Maddie Blake and Travel wow. Channel's Ronnie LeBlanc. Crazy. Everybody, <laughs> congratulations, Thanks, buddy. buddy. Um, let's start with that. Sure. Before we deep dive into the into the uh, subject at hand, the case file. Uh, by the way, full studio tonight. We are at full power again. Of course, producer Dave, as uh, Chachi the Pret on another podcast this network says, uh, our spiritual leader. Mm. Mm. That I don't know. On this podcast, that's like a, that's, that's a promotion, man. Yeah, it's actually not <laughs> true at it. all. It's I'll actually not it. true at all. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, and <laughs> Carrie's back. Carrie, producer, researcher, Carrie. producer. Uh, so happy to be Tour de force. She gets it all done, so we're at full strength. We are feeling great. Happy to be with you, monsters, but we're especially feeling great when one of our own does what you did, Ronnie, and that is appear on cable television across the country on the Travel Channel. Talk about your show. It premiered as we record this last week. Right, last, last Wednesday. Wednesday yeah. And you were freaking awesome. What was the Thanks, show? Matt. Uh, in Search of Monsters on Travel Channel. It was the premiere last Wednesday at 9, and... Uh, Bigfoot was the episode, and this one is, I think, Loch Ness is coming up uh, on Wednesday. So, you know, if, oh, someone from <laughs> iTunes happens to be listening, a lot of paranormal podcasts out there, not many with two national cable hosts Seriously, hosting the right? podcast. So you might want to put us in front of the fucking guy who's in a, his basement with the one that you promoted. Why am I yelling at them? Now they're not going to do anything for us. You now, asshole. See what I did? Uh, I start off really nice. <laughs> hey, if there's anyone from iTunes, you might want to do it. <laughs> Was that from uh, Tom, Tommy Boy, uh, you know, uh, tragically crushing the, oh, the, the his bread. sale, the bread, <laughs> and the restaurant? <laughs> That's you, Maddie. You had it, and you just destroyed it. <laughs> you messed with it till you broke it. Um, Ronnie, you looked great. Thanks, buddy. But more importantly, you're a fountain of information. Uh, were you happy with it? Talk, talk I was. It. I was. Now we can talk fully <clears throat> about the process. Just yeah. give a monster listening who might wonder how that all goes. Like, how did you record it? How did it go down? And and what might the future hold? It was. You know, you've gone through this so many times. But for me, it was. You know, they flew me out to New York, um, filmed in a mansion, and it was like all day filming. But I filmed like from two to four, mm -hmm. and then they give you. You kind of have an idea of what this episode's going to be, what this episode's going to be. But you basically shoot like four episodes mm -hmm. worth of stuff in two hours, 
and uh, started watching it with the kids, and it was like 10 minutes in, and I'm like, all right, I don't know if I'm in this episode. Right. And then it kind of popped up. So it was weird to kind of see myself and hear my voice. It is. It's it was a just, weird experience. Yeah. Um, but it was super cool. It's especially weird the way I do it, which is when I'm on, I master. I mean, I watch it. I, 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 I DVR it. You touch yourself? Well, what? <laughs> um, you also broke policy. You broke Monster Land podcast policy. We had a strict policy. David, can you check our records? Our um, what do we call it? Not a manifesto, but we made, we we started this thing. We came up with a document. You're a lawyer. Just a mission statement. A mission so statement. Just a mission statement. Yeah. But all yeah. signed. We all signed it. If you remember, yeah. uh, item a pledge, number a pledge of sorts. Man. Item okay. number one <clears throat> on that issue was no one involved with Monsterland in any way may appear on cable and be more handsome than me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Ronnie broke that, <laughs> oh, and I'm pissed, I'm pissed about that. Mm-hmm. You look great, buddy. Thanks, man. And you did great. And are you happy with the editing and how you came yeah. off and everything? Yeah, I was actually stoked to say Bigfoot might be an alien. Yeah, I was like, yeah, no, that's great. That's a great quote. Yeah, and it's like that's what my book is about, yep. you know. So I love that nice. they didn't that they, they use that specifically that verbiage too, because it's like right. why you and I pussyfoot around a lot right here on this podcast. Like, yeah, do you believe that maybe Bigfoot would be like just come with it, just say it, just say it. We like Bigfoot might be an alien. Like right. we, we we find all these adjectives to like work around it. It's it's wild because even like three years ago, that is even like it was more taboo than it is. Like people are more accepting of it now. I even talk to we'll talk about it a little bit later, but yeah. People are more accepting of that as Bigfoot being an alien or interdimensional as opposed to being an animal. It blows my mind every right. time. Right. But, well, yeah. congratulations, Thanks, buddy, buddy. And we'll continue to watch for you uh, as this goes on. Maddie, before we yes, leave, leave that subject, you know, we have a new codicil to the, the manifesto, and that is when we celebrate a Ronnie moment of glory. What must we do? Oh, no. His theme song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What the? <laughs> 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 Travel Channel Wednesday nights. Uh. <laughs> Ours, yours, Ronnie LeBlanc. So Bigfoot funny. is an alien. Bigfoot's an alien. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, buddy. We're all proud Thanks, of you. Uh, all right, so tons to get to tonight. Yes. We're going to deep dive into a case file that we've been talking around about for a while now. And you guys kept saying, are you going to give us... Uh, a deeper dive into that. You kept teasing it. We told you we were going to get in the field. We did that. We'll do it again. Um, the Andreessen affair, though, we have to really get into this because it's local and it's going to be a fun deep dive. We've got sound. We're going to let her tell her story. We're going to let you monsters decide if you think there's something to it. A lot of people do. I'm really torn on this one. Isn't it wild? It's I'm like, really torn on this one. Here's the thing. There's so much when it comes to the details of her story. Yes, yes. That this is either... So true. Yes. Or it's right. so right. fucking fake. Right. Because it's so... W- when we tell you, every time you think it's as strange as it can be, it gets stranger. Yeah. But here's the thing. As we will detail, it fits with a lot of other abductees. There's mm-hmm. a there's a through line here that fits. It also took place in a banner year for UFO sightings right. in this area, right here around Massachusetts and New England. So... There's a lot going for it. There's some going against it, I think. But we'll get into all that. We also have an, uh, a chock full version of Monster Mail. I also have a movie review based Ooh. on last week's recommendation. If you listen to last week's episode, we had a recommendation for a Bigfoot movie, right? Which was Bigfoot, what legend? It's called Big Legend. Big Legend on oh, Amazon yeah. Prime. And I, Yoko and I watched it. I have a full review, and then I found another little movie. And uh, well, I'll get to this when we yeah. review it. But who knew? Plethora of Bigfoot movies on Amazon. 
Really? Plethora. We could have a Bigfoot night Ooh. movie fest. We won't do it because I won't step foot in your house. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in theory, your wife mandated that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we could stay in the backyard in a tent. <laughs> um, all right. So without any further ado, let's get into this very special. It's a little bit of a different uh, format here. No interview tonight, although there will kind of be an interview because we're going to hear from Betty herself. This, one of the most famous cases in history, and as I said in the intro, it started right here in Monsterland. Let's open this case file, shall we? Now let's open another Monsterland case file. All right, the main sources, Ronnie, for this that we're going to use, we have a bunch of sources. Um, You have three, what, four books there. Um, I think the main couple that we're going to use are... The Andreessen Affair by Raymond Fowler, the first one with a forward from uh, Alan Hynek. Mm -hmm. Those of you History Channel fans that watch Project Blue Book, Alan Hynek was was fictionalized, uh, portrayed, but he was a real guy. Right. And he he wrote the forward to this book. Um, And we spent a lot of time in this book, Ronnie, and we've got a lot of incredible information from it. Also, an interview that her and her husband did... um, on Coast to Coast in 2014, her husband, Bob Luca. Um, so she's actually uh, Betty Andreessen Luca now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to use audio from that. So let's talk about what happened on the night. Let's start at the beginning. Um, before we get even to the night that made her famous, what we call the Andreessen Affair, um, as it turns out, through hypnotic regression, she believes she was being visited from a very young age. Right. But let's let her tell about her first experience instead of us explaining it. It's pretty fascinating. Hit it, Dave. Clip one. Well, the very first encounter, I was only seven years old, and I was living in Lemonster, Massachusetts. Oh! I was out in a little uh, hut that my brother had made in the front yard, and I was waiting for my friend Didi to come over and play dolls with me. So I was sitting there, and I was eating some crackers when all of a sudden uh, B came in the hut, and it buzzed around me. However, it didn't look like a bee. It sounded like a bumblebee, but uh, the thing is, it came and hit me right on the forehead and in between the eyes and bit me. And at that point, I went down and went out. And I heard a voice saying, the wee little one is coming along fine. So evidently, they've been checking me for quite some time. So right out of the gate, we have high strangeness. At seven years old. And by the way, I love her saying Lemonster. That's right. where Monsterland is. And like we've said a million times, we have, we have people listening to this thing from all over the world. Um, and we started this thing because in Lemonster, Massachusetts, Ronnie, your book chronicles all these weird things happening. And one of the most famous cases in history of ufology happened, started right here in Lemonster with her childhood. She starts getting visited. Right. 1944, which is <clears throat> just wild. And uh, the marble sized bee that she talks about it was like a little almost like a little orb a little ball of light yeah, that's the other thing you could call it an orb yeah. now as a child she spent a lot of times Betty did outdoors right and so I wonder if her if it's either A that's how she would interpret a orb of some kind mm. or if the aliens knowing that about her made it so that she would, in a, in a way, she would understand. Right, like a friendly thing, like a bee. Yeah, yeah. right, because she'd be used to seeing bees. She wouldn't be necessarily, like, shrieking like a 
a child in the city might. Right. You know, she she describes in later in the interview, like, yeah, no, that was always getting stung or just out collecting insects and animals. Right. So if they were watching her, tracking her, she was one of these people, it makes sense that they would use that to contact her, right? Yeah, totally. Um, and by the way, as her experience goes on, um, she gives she gives reason why we think this might be happening, which I think is one of the more compelling aspects of this whole thing. So you get a little girl in Lemister Mass, Betty, and she has three experiences as a little child. Uh, but the night in question uh, that, again, made her famous was this fateful night in 1967, January 25th, 1967. And basically, uh, she is in her kitchen with her family. Yep. Now, South, South Ashburnham, I think it is. Right. So she yep. had moved from Lemister to South Ashburnham, which is Western Mass. Right. So how far, Ronnie, about from Monsterland would that be? Like an hour? Uh, no, I would say you got Lemonster, Fitchburg Gardner, Westminster, and then Ashburnham. And so it's probably like three or four towns over, but a good 20 minute, 25 minute drive from Lemonster. Okay. So if you're not from here, <clears throat> New England area or Massachusetts, this is what we would call the sticks. Yeah. This is, yeah. This is you know, rural woods. Woods, yeah. Western Mass is like uh, as rural as it could, it could be. Right. So that's where she is. So Betty says um, she's in her kitchen. Now, her husband at the time was incapacitated. He had been in a car accident. So she was visiting him in the hospital nightly, mm-hmm. but he was actually in the rehab hospital. Right. She's home with her, I think, seven children. Right, and I think her dad was there. Correct. Right? Now, her yeah. dad plays a key figure in this. We're going to hear from him in a second. Yes. The dad is actually one of the most compelling things about this mm. because I'm honestly torn. As I always knew about the Andreessen affair. We played sounds of her on this very podcast. Right. Remember that night with uh, yeah. System of a Down? She was going to hypnotize. Yeah, we gave a little tease about this. And growing up in this area and being into what we're into, Ronnie, you can't not know her name. Right. But I never did a deep dive. I knew the story, mm-hmm. potential abductee. People took it very seriously. I'd read a little bit about it. But on this deep dive that we spent this week researching it, I was alternately convinced and then non-convinced, and then convinced again, and then unconvinced. It was very strange. Because there's a lot of, you know, she goes into aliens being angelic, these elders and the watcher. I mean, we start getting into almost like... yes. Well, she's a Sci-fi. she's and she's a very devout Christian. Yeah. So that comes up throughout this. Her mm-hmm. her appeal to Christianity when she well we'll get to that, but she she becomes frightened as I would and starts calling out the name of Jesus, and that becomes a factor in this. It's it's an incredible story. But yeah. let's 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 uh, not get the the alien before the UFO. What? <laughs> Here's Betty. Suddenly the lights were off, and we wondered what is it, and we looked over and there was a by the window. The small kitchen window, I can see like a light, sort of pink right now. And now the light is getting brighter. It's reddish-orange, and it's pulsating. I said to the children, be quiet and quick, get into the living room, and whatever it is will go away. It seemed like the whole house had a vacuum over it, like stillness all around, like stillness, end quote. Very common also in these situations, right, Ronnie? Yeah. It's almost like they're in another dimension. There's no sound. They're just quiet, just weird mm-hmm. vacuum. Um, so, oh, and one other thing I forgot is before we get into the really far into this night of her big abduction, one more thing about her childhood is again, this whole thing about Monsterland and Lemonster and David in clip two, uh, on the interview she did years later on coast to coast, I think it was Dave Schrader guest hosting. Yeah. Dave asks her about like, why you, 
why you as a little girl? Why do you think this is you happened to you? And here's what she said, and the answer might be Monsterland itself. Hit it, Dave. Well, it, it does seem as if uh, things, uh, once you've had an experience, uh, the family somehow also begins to have some unusual things happening to them. A lot of paranormal activity. We've, got, we've lived so far a very peculiar life, uh, I have to say that. Uh, but it does seem as if the children are very much involved at times. So there you go. You know, uh, again, this correlation between, she uses the word paranormal. Right. And she does describe through later, uh, after the abduction and before the abduction as a kid, like more like ghost stories. She's been hounded by light figures, shadow figures, uh, orbs in her room. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, it sounds like Stop. the LeBlanc house. I was just going to say, it, it's, it's. <laughs> Dude, you've been abducted. I'm, I hate to tell oh, you. Oh, I know. I know I have. I know I have. Let's get. Can we get a. Dave? What? Dave? We got to get a hypnotist in here. We got to put you in regression. We got to put you in regression. I'm on it, boss. Right? Yeah. You do that? Sure. All right. Because I, I, I swear, I wasn't going to say anything until right now, Carrie, but it does sound like your house. Mm. Her children. And then last week, you talked about your daughter. You showed the picture your daughter took, right? I want to show you something. So when I was sitting in the car prior to us recording, I knew I was going to get some, some kind of thing. Maddie, I just booked Frank Santos, the R-rated hypnotist. That's um, different. That's different. Oh, sorry. So okay. this is the <laughs> strange <laughs> spirit writing that Betty's daughter, Becky, yes. was writing. Yes, as if uh, channeling the aliens almost. Right. So if you remember my daughter's picture. <gasps> it looks like that. And what? I said that it feels like it's a symbol of some sort. Okay, what Ronnie's showing you right, me right now, Monsters, in the back of one of the Andreessen books are reproductions, copies. <gasps> what? <gasps> What the fuck? Oh, my God. Maddie, are you right? Maddie's been abducted. Okay. So wait a second. So Ronnie's showing us what? in the what notes, is, the appendix of this. My daughter took this That's what his daughter took. All right, everyone calm down. What the f- there are There's a picture, this reproduction of what Betty's daughter, who we're going to get to, Becky, I think? Becky, yep. Becky was basically channeling... Because they were given a book so, by the aliens. So she saw an orb, orange orb, by her window. Yes. Screamed to her mom. Mm. Her mom, but before she screamed, a light beamed out of the orb and hit her. Mm-hmm. She screamed. Her mom came up, and the thing was gone. Then she began doing the spirit writing, like channeling, almost like remote viewing. Yes. Where they start writing, and I, I just had this sense that it's some kind of symbol, and I feel well, like well, so the page that Ronnie's showing me right now are are her drawings, and it looks exi- one of the symbols looks exactly like what your daughter took a picture of in her room. Right. Holy crap! All right, and and so, and by the way, this abduction we're going to get into this fateful night for Betty and her family. Um, there's all kinds of Egyptian hieroglyphics they mm-hmm. describe, type of things. Um, Symbols just like that one that your daughter took a picture of. They give them this book, this translucent book that glows. They said she said there's all kinds of weird symbols. Right. Yeah, it was like a yellow book. And you live in Lemonster. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> now back to the night. So she sees this light. The first person to see the actual alien. So they have a strange light. Power goes off. Kids are watching TV in the room. Picture this. Picture if you will. Hmm. Family all just having a normal night. It was actually, a, they described it as a 
almost like a spring-like night in January. And all of a sudden, this mist comes up, and they see this weird pulsating light. Power goes off. Kids start freaking out. The first person to see that this goes next level is her father. Mm -hmm. Now, her father is a pipe fitter. And I want to read to you his quote. And you tell me if this sounds like someone who's trying to get famous by making up a story. This pipe fitter from central Massachusetts. I'll read it as he probably said it. These creatures I saw through the window of Betty's house were just like Halloween freaks. I thought they had put on a funny kind of headdress imitating a moon man. It was funny the way they jumped one after the other, just like grasshoppers. When they saw me looking at them, they stopped. The one in front looked at me, and I felt kind of queer. That's all I knew, end quote. That's his little quote, end quote. So to me, that's super compelling. It's just like I always say about all these guys that see Bigfoot around here. Yeah. These guys aren't bullshitters. You know, and by the way, for any of you who take offense easily, he doesn't mean queer. You know, he means weird. That was right. how they talked back then. 67. Right. I can yeah. just hear some millennials listen to this podcast like, um, queer is not a word to use anymore. <laughs> he just meant Actually, strange. They <laughs> well, they can use it, but I can't. <laughs> um, so, oh, wait, wait, five minutes. Now you can't say it anymore. <laughs> oh, now you can. All right. So... That to me is very compelling because he sees what he describes as moon men. Mm. Then they describe them moving in a weird staccato way, which like again, all together. Yeah, like, like they, yeah. They, they, they're in a line. There's four little alien creatures that this father sees. Again, he calls them moon men. He described them as children in masks, maybe. Mm -hmm. And they move almost like if you can picture the best way I can say it in all the descriptions we've heard, Ronnie, and the, and the regression that she went through is like the ring. Remember that movie, The Ring, sure. when she moves weird? Like she said, they skipped. They almost like were, yeah, it was like staccato. It didn't look like it was in this dimension. Like they moved weird. So here's Betty talking about her father and his perspective of seeing these things. I asked him, Daddy, did, what happened with you? Did you see anything? And he says, yes, but I don't want to say anything. And I says, why? And he says, because he was worried about his um, Social Security might be taken away from him if he was to say anything. Because, of course, you know, the world will attack a man before he will attack a, a young They will attack a young woman because of something happening. Um, but I said, well, I'm going to have to have some support here, Daddy, of what you saw. You know, and he said what he saw was like what he said was it was like... Uh, children in Halloween costumes like moon men hopping down the hill. And that's all he remembered because that's all there was that he was awake. That is so compelling to me. And he's, he, the father is one of the central figures for me that makes me believe something happened because to his death, he maintained, he wouldn't, he didn't like to talk about it, obviously. Right. Again, <clears throat> very, you know, if I'm a cop, and I don't know if you know this, I was a criminal justice major. So I'll say, <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm a cop investigating this. Uh, Didn't you play a cop once? I've played many cops. Carrie, let's, let's pull up my oh, yeah. MDB page. Or Orange is the new black. The, oh. most, the most compelling seven <laughs> seconds of that episode. <laughs> oh, how did my IMDB page get popped up there? <laughs> um, Crazy. It's bookmarked. Hope, uh, 
Mr. Kraskowski is listening. It's in my history. (laughs) 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 Oh, there he is. I hope Mr. Kraskowski, maybe he needs a cop for his next uh, movie. Um, (laughs) The father, (laughs) oh my God, they're bringing up screen grabs of me now in different films. (laughs) There I am as a monster police officer. I played such a prick in that movie. It was so fun. It's fun to play a monster. You know what I mean? Just like an awful human being. Um, Okay, back to the night. The father's a very compelling figure for me, Ronnie, because he's worried about his social security, which, you know what I mean? That's just such a specific and and realistic detail. Doesn't want to lose his social security, which is a completely, you know, practical and thoughtful reason not to want to go public with something like this. Do you hear her? Daddy, I need your help. Like, that is the plea of someone, you know, that isn't, she doesn't sound like, none of these people sound like connivers. Like, no, they don't. Trying to get publicity. You know what I mean? Because uh, in that day and age, it's like you're just destroying your reputation Mm -hmm. by doing this, unless you have such conviction of the truth. Right. That you don't care about that. So she says to her pipe fitter father again, this working man, like, Daddy, I'm going public with this. I'm going to need you to back me on this. It's it's an incredible story. Mm. And the children back her too. Now, what happens next is um, they enter the home and it gets very eerie because they enter, as Betty describes, through the wooden door. Right. And this is very common with grays and UFO abductions where the person is taken through the ceiling or through the wall or... These entities come through the wall. So, in order, so right there, you're kind of, this is either interdimensional, this is either spiritual, or this is something that they're able to manipulate matter. Right. And come through this right. physical realm from somewhere else. So, imagine, if you will, your poor Betty, your father sees things, there's a crazy light, crazy haze, and then these four little gray aliens come through your wooden door without opening it like materialized through your door in a line, moving in a very staccato, unnatural way. She looks to her rest of her family in a panic, obviously, and they're like this. And what I'm doing is smiling. Suspended animation. And frozen. Mm -hmm. Suspended animation as if time has stopped for them, which is a ghoulish fucking thought. So think about that for a moment. That, And this may be the answer we're looking for for this whole thing, is that they can control and manipulate time. And that's a scary thought that maybe they can control this thing in timelines and yes. adjusting things. And that's the men in black could very well be part of that whole thing, making sure things don't go out of whack. Yes. Uh, but I think there's something pretty incredible about this that they can stop time. How about this? Later, and skipping ahead again, well, forgive me, but later in a phase four regression, as Raymond called it, you know, later in her life. Mm. She described an abduction, and when she was returned home at the last second, guess what she saw? Her own body in the bed. And she went, oh, wait a second. I wasn't really there. It was my spirit being taken. Right. OBE, out of so body So that's the other thing, yeah. too, is maybe maybe she was also in that kitchen with that ghoulish smile on her face. You know what I'm saying? Mm. As she was taken to the craft, maybe. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, so... She, she, so what would you do? Let's play a game, everybody. Let's play a game. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make this clip a game. Um, you have four aliens enter your kitchen 
through a wooden door. Your father is frozen with a ghoulish smile on your face. The children are frozen in time with a ghoulish smile on their face. What's the first thing you do? And what's the first thing Betty does? Let's make it multiple choice. You can all guess. And Ronnie, if you know the answer to this, you recuse yourself because I know you okay. know this story pretty well. Let's see. Does Betty uh, A, shoo him away with a broom, B, run and hide under a bed, or C, cook them a hot meal? Oh, I would totally cook them a hot meal. I'm just relieved. Carrie says cook them a hot meal. Uh, you choose C. Sure. I would go off the David? board and say poop my pants. But David goes but for would, a D option. Yeah. No. What were the first? What were the first two? Uh, a Sorry. trying to shoo them away with a broom. Right. B running and hiding under the bed, or C cooking them a hot meal. I, I'll Four go. aliens enter through your wooden door. Right. Families in suspended ammo. Ammo. What? I'll go with B, Maddie. Are they vegetarian? Hope for the best. What'd you say? <laughs> Are they vegetarian? <laughs> <laughs> They're gluten free. I just need to know what to make for them. Carrie says, cooks them a hot meal. David says, runs and hides under the bed. Ronnie knows the answer. He's coyly looking at me like a Jeopardy contestant. Ronnie looks like a Jeopardy contestant who's already written down the answer, like those cocky guys from MIT. And they're just like waiting, <laughs> looking at the other two saps, like, how much you wager? 15,000. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let Betty in our next clip tell who the winner is. So I went to the refrigerator, got a piece of meat, and I got the frying pan. I put it on the stove. Oh, my God. Yes, Come I was on. Picking, uh, the meat, uh, a little smoke rose up, and all of a sudden, the leader jumped backwards. And uh, then he started to talk with me again through the mind, and he says, no, we're looking for knowledge tried by fire. That's food for us. Quasga is the name of the leader. He said his name was Quasga. By the way, Carrie, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you were correct. She cooked them a hot and meal. They're not, and they're Amazing. not vegetarian. Which is absolutely stunning to me. Which is what, what does that say to you? What was your, what's you your, know what it says to me? The mother instinct kicks in above all else. Right? The mother instinct, she's like, I'm going to cook them a meal. Will they do the dishes? Right? Right. Yeah. Cooks them a hot meal. Because food and, is love. Probably, and, and <laughs> so know. then they say this weird thing, but we want, we want uh, knowledge based in fire. She hands them a Bible, mm. which then leads them handing her uh, these little books that glow, which we'll get to later also, which is very strange. Um, and it gets weirder. It gets even weirder. Um, they have these conversations, and listen to how these aliens talk to her. Again, I'll read them in the voices that they probably <laughs> Oh, wow. Have. This is a treat. <laughs> what are you doing here? Betty asked. <laughs> That's walking. The little walkins. We have come to help. The entities replied, Will you help us? How can I help? Would you follow us? <laughs> He's doing the hand motions. Are you <laughs> like a robot? <laughs> no, they got to read the alien like those people do on those. Uh, remember in those YouTube videos and stuff? Those, when the kids try to be aliens? I'll do it like them. All right, all right. This is how they would do it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you of God? Betty demanded. You keep saying you come to help the world. Why? <laughs> because the world is trying to destroy itself. <laughs> Would you follow us? If you're of God, Betty sighed again. <laughs> From all in the field. <laughs> Would you follow us? They repeated. Quasga answered again. Would you follow us? She has very creepy. They just keep saying, will you follow us? Will you follow us? Will you follow mm. us? And, and rightly, she's saying, well, uh, if you're of God, if you're... So that's the other thought she has is these are angels. Right. 
and and she's maybe these are angels. So she like again tries to hand in the Bible. We will not harm you. The entities repeated, "Would you follow us?" <laughs> so she does. Now, oddly, she says these commands she felt somehow under their control. She says their polite request created an illusion of free will. Mm. But in reality, she was finding that her choices always corresponded with their exact wishes. So even though something like, inside her said, like, do not go with them. They, they manipulated her emotions. A lot of people <clears throat> that have had abduction experiences or feel like they were in this situation would feel this. They'd be all fearful, and then this over powering warmth sensation mm. that you would almost equate to being in church or something along those lines where you feel peaceful, but it's almost like they're hitting a part of your brain that just making you kind of relax and go through this kind of process. And yeah, again, it just tells you they have control over us. Right. And, and, that, and, and that's to come too, like, because think about it. If they didn't do something like that, you would... The normal human being would would maybe possibly die of a heart attack. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if these creatures are real and they came floating through your wooden door, if they didn't give you some form of alien heroin to calm you down, well, uh, maybe it was Scott Varden or I forget who it was uh, talking about one of our guests that like their vibration is so high that even when we're getting close, we can't even yes. our physical bodies can't even handle it. So they almost have to kind of. And that's what they talk about, sleep paralysis and things yes. like that. So now she's led out into, uh, th she goes with them because they keep asking her, will you come with us? Will you come with us? Will you come with us? And again, she feels that she has the illusion of free will, but that she's being compelled to go with them. Here's Betty on their exit from her kitchen. She decides to go with them inexplicably leave her suspended animation family and go with these strange creatures out of her house. Here's Betty. And at that point, I, I put the thin blue book down and he said that I was going to be going with him someplace. So uh, I followed. We went into the kitchen and we went out the uh, wooden door right through the wood and I'm following in back of the, that leader, Quasgar, and then the other three were in back of me. Evidently, that other uh, fifth one was left behind because later on, Becky, uh, he was showing Becky certain uh, games of some kind. And my father and the rest of the family must have stayed in that state of suspended animation. At that point, uh, I was taken... So she follows them out. And if we got a break right now, but we come back, we're going to tell you a tale that gets stranger than you could ever imagine. If you think it's been weird up till now, hold Quasgar's beer. <laughs> Ronnie, you got a problem. I do? Yes, and so do I. What? We both love beer, but we cut out alcohol. What are we going to do? Spend our lives drinking crappy uh, non-alcoholic beer that tastes like swill or no. being Mr. Boring with seltzer pants at the party? No. No way. You know what we're going to do? Our problems what? are solved. What? A, B, C. Just think. When you think beer, think ABC Athletic Brewing ah. Company. Makers of non-alcoholic brews with craft beer taste. So much so, they came into my radio show and we did a taste test. I couldn't tell the difference. I picked their non-alcoholic beers against some of the finest alcoholic beers 
in the, on the planet. That's saying something. You cannot tell the difference. I couldn't tell the difference, and neither will you. So whether you've cut alcohol out of your life for good, like Ronnie and I, for a night, or just for that last drink at the end of the party, if you love being healthy, active, and at your best, Athletic Brewing Company is for you. Visit their beautiful tap room, or go visit one of the many fine retailers that are selling this stuff, or... Go to athleticbrewingcompany.com. Take the challenge. You won't be able to tell the difference. Athletic Brewing Company, brewed in the USA. Be active. Be healthy. Be at your best. No compromises. Just great beer. Athleticbrewingcompany.com. Welcome back to a very special Monsterland. When we last left Betty, <laughs> she was being dragged out into the backyard by Quaz God, his quartet. His name was Quaz God. He said his name was Quazga. She's taken upon a craft. Now, Ronnie, this is where it gets really weird. I could read you all night. This goes on forever and ever, how long and strange this journey is. But basically, she's taken on to a craft. The specifics of her details in this craft are unbelievable. Everything from these bizarre lights um, to a, they had a, a, a gown waiting for her, made for her, that she said was just kind of hanging in air in this weird pyramid-shaped room. It it was just hanging and uh, not on anything, and it kind of like adhered to her body. She was then tested upon. And as you would think about a traditional abductee story, you hope that kind of like, um, you know, has been portrayed in some movies and stuff, that it doesn't get to the point where things get uncomfortable. Um, but if you, like me, if the mention of this region of your body sends you into the fetal position, well, get ready to curl up into a ball because Quasga starts getting nasty. Go ahead, David. And that's what they did first, was measure me for light. And uh, after that, they had me on this table when they were doing that. And then he told me that there were some spots there on in back of my knee. Now, I don't know what that meant. But anyway, I think it was just an excuse because after that, he says, well, we're going to have to examine you. And at that point, uh, they took a needle and they... Uh, Trusted in my navel, and I guess they were checking for procreation or something. <laughs> they stuck the needle in her belly button, for those of you keeping score at home, and Maddie is now incapacitated for the evening. <laughs> I mean, this is your, that, but surely that's the worst of it, right, Ronnie? I mean, surely they're done with their experimentation on poor old Betty. <laughs> Not quite. No. Uh, there was one other thing that they did. Oh, okay. uh, Read they, you a book? Uh, Bring you a sandwich? They had to check further, and they thrust a needle up into my left nostril, no! and he put his hand on my forehead Ouch. to take away a lot of the pain. Oh, thanks, Quasga. When Implants. he withdrew the needle, I could see a BB-like thing on the end of that needle. You nailed it, Ronnie. So they so pulled... evidently, Sorry, they had I... been checking me for quite some time. Uh, and that's the key point. So that implant there, yep. She describes this web, thin, like, brown fishnet type thing on a roll, and they're, like, reading it, and it's translucent and glowing as they're doing the... There's a picture right there, Ronnie. It's, like, mesh, mm. and somehow they could read it, and as they're sticking the thing in her belly button, and, and then they stick this long needle that bends up into her nasal cavity, pull it out, and there's a little BB at the end of it, which we've heard before from abductees. So 
Was that an implant from one of these childhood experiences that we mentioned earlier? Probably so. Mm. So she's been traumatized a little bit. They did take away some of the pain. Oh, that's as weird as it can get, right? Not quite. Next thing you know, she's taken through hallways, which she describes as very long. How are they getting through the hallways, you ask? She said there's a thin, black, almost like people mover. In the airport. And yeah. it, Yes, and it moves them, but they're not on the ground. They're floating. And by the way, she floated out her door. She floated onto the craft. Mm. She's now floating down this corridor. Now, she describes, this is what's interesting to me. She describes the track that they're moving on as they did this, and they're going through these tunnels. And they said, are they smooth alien tunnels? She said, no, they were carved tunnels, like carved out of coal or something rough and hewn and carved out of rock. What does that sound like to you, Ronnie? Where, where might they be? Hmm. If it's, if it's carved and, and chiseled, it sounds to me like they could be, where do some aliens, uh, some oh. UFOs reportedly come from? We always look up there. Right. But. Oh, the moon? You're talking about. Like no, I'm talking about right here on Earth. They come out of mountains. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah, some yeah, people yes, believe yes, that they're yes. underground. Okay, yeah. And this to me, it sounded like she was in like some sort of underground tunnel. Mm, like maybe we're like looking a cave up the system. Yes. Yeah. That's how she describes it. And they're floating. Now she gets to a series of what she called the syndrical room. And they've got these glass like plastic seats. And this is where it gets disturbing again. She gets, they, they ask her, please be seated. We will not harm you. They go through that whole thing again, asking her, asking her, asking her. She's like, I don't know. I don't know. You just stuck needles in me mm. like a pin cushion. Now you want me to sit, but she, again, feels under their control. She sits in these seats and all of a sudden a clear plastic, as she described it, perhaps glass body imprint of her comes lower down over her body. So picture this, a mold. It's like a pre-made mold that fits her exactly, comes lowering down, and she's trapped under it. And like anyone would be, she's a little claustrophobic at mm. this point. Like, And they keep calming her. Stay calm. Stay calm. A tube comes down. Yes, Ronnie? I just got the image of you and your cousin. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. I don't want to hear that. Right? I'm not getting hypnotized. Right? I'm not getting hypnotized. That's exactly what I described, isn't ah! it? No, no, control. Well, I didn't have the mold, but we were under no, glass. No, you're under dream. glass. I had a dream. Ronnie's referring. Kerry's looking at me like, "What the fuck?" I when Ronnie and I first met, he was kind of pushing my buttons. Like, well, "What have you experienced? You've experienced some strange things." And I said, I, "I never." I said, "I did have this very vivid dream as a kid that my cousin and I were, and it was just as fast as this. We were under glass and we couldn't move." And all I could do was move my eyes side to side, and I saw hundreds and hundreds of people. We were all, everyone naked and under two sheets of glass suspended somewhere, and this scanner came over. And I looked at my cousin, and he was looking as scared as I was, and I woke up. And it was clear as day. Still remember that dream. Hmm. Or was it? So there sits poor Betty. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Stay away from me, Quasga. <laughs> Quasga. So there sits Betty under the plastic mold of her. What happens next? Well, not very traumatizing. A fucking tube comes in her mouth, <laughs> and they stick it down her mouth, and it seals to her mouth. And they say, just relax. It's, everything's fine. And then they start filling the plastic mold with liquid. 
and she doesn't know to what end. She doesn't know why, but she can breathe because her nostrils, oh, and then tubes go up her nostrils too, up her nostrils and in her nose, and in her mouth, excuse me, and so she can breathe. She can feel the air coming, but they have just drowned her basically in this liquid, and th she doesn't know why they're doing this. Um, they put her in another chair, and there's, there, by the way, she was an artist, Betty, a little bit, and she drew pictures of all this stuff. You can look online and see them. And a lot of this is from hypnotic regression, right? Yes, a lot of these... yes almost all of it. Yeah, almost it's, all so of it. She remembers of... seeing the light, and that's it in her waking life. Right. Now, now, so then the skeptic will say, well, that's the hip, you know, hypnosis bringing all that out. Then why are there so many cases that are not exactly like this, but there are a lot Very of similar. similarities yeah. to what she describes from the floating? We'll go, we'll go through that. Yep. Maddie, forgive me. Who's the fire in the sky guy? That's Travis what this, Walton. Well, I was that's, just going to. That's what Walton. this reminds me of. Yeah. I was just yes. going to say, there's the scene of very similar going down the hallway. Uh, you know, they're dragging him through, and he sees like these people from different time eras yep. in these these uh, cocoon type things, right? Type things. And by the way, back to the 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 my underground theory. It's not yeah. just me. She actually kind of felt like that too, possibly that there are underground. We've heard underground bases and aliens coming mm -hmm. from underground. Aliens coming from underwater. Right. Right. Yep. Uh, this is her description of the. She now starts getting, after the chair trauma, she starts getting led down these tunnels, long, long tunnels. And the hypnosis guy says, did it seem like a tube, smooth alien inside a garden hose-like? She said, no, chipped like a coal tunnel. Isn't that odd? Mm. So it almost made you feel like she was underground and maybe then she goes through some sort of veils. They pass through veils. And then she describes such high weirdness. It's, it's, it's too long to get into, but floating pyramids, a city. She's shown a, shown a city. That track brings her up into the sky. There are floating bridges that she can't even use her words to describe. A lot of pyramids. A lot of G Egyptian, Egyptian kind of references. references. Faces on the top of the pyramids. Huge cities that she can't, again, find the words to describe under hypnosis. At one point, he said, do you think you went to another planet, or did all this happen on Earth? She responded, I left this Earth. Yes, I left this Earth. I believe we were in space, and yet somehow I believe we were in the center of the Earth. Now, how can you be in both? The response from Raymond Fowler is, perhaps uh, this other Earth, you know, the, the outside of it is like a shell, the housing. Everything that goes on goes on within, like a large garage. The door opens, you can go in, and then you can also leave it. Mm. But isn't that interesting, that whole, this whole <clears throat> well, underground thing? Well, we talked about uh, with East SETI episode, the Crystal City that was un is underneath or within Mount Adams. Mm -hmm. And that there are these hidden realms that are inner Earth. Yes. Um, that supposedly during this time, this era, that they're going to start emerging. People will know that they are underneath. Right. And it's these elders, right. these Nordic beings, as well as the greys that seem to be like they're robots. She yeah. ends up eventually seeing some sort of Nordic great one. Uh, it gets weirder. Don't worry. Hasn't gotten as weird as it's going to get yet. <laughs> then she's brought to a high place. So she keeps going up, 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 up. She goes through a green, uh, a red place. She said it's all red. The atmosphere is red. She sees these weird, googly-eyed creatures with two. Picture like a Star Wars character, like a little little lemur or so, monkey, but it's got two separate eye almost stalks. Like Jar Jar Binks. Yes, right? yes, yes. <clears throat> and she said she was very disturbed by that. And the aliens leading her had hoods over their head during that whole time. She says she felt it was for their protection. There was some sort of 
they had these silver translucent suits that glowed, and then they put these veils over their heads during the red part, and then they broke through a membrane, and then this beautiful green, like, heaven type of place. And then she stood before a 15-foot eagle. It spread its wings, <laughs> shielding a light. Blocking her from a light. Now, under regression, she is writhing in agony and screaming. It's actually very disturbing audio to listen to. I don't even want to play it. It's actually sad because she, if she didn't go through this, she thinks she did. Mm. And she's being burned by this light. The eagle is stopping her from being burned by the light. He's, he's opening his wings, this huge eagle, to block her from the light. Now, she says that the little creatures, the greys, had the eagle insignia on their shoulder. Yeah, phoenix. Right, the phoenix bird. Now, she believes that... They, they asked her, do you think this was God? And she said, no, I don't feel the bird was God. I do feel as if the light in the back of the bird might be the radiation of God, mm. which is very interesting. So she's being protected almost by this huge bird. But then a fire starts, and the bird burns into a worm, right? a disgusting, huge worm. So why is she being shown all this, and what the hell is going on? And it continues. She, she keeps getting shown things and taken around, and it gets weirder and weirder. Her drawings get more bizarre. To what end, Ronnie? Like, to what end? The, the eagle is a very uh, powerful symbol in Native American mythology, and it's also considered, you know, the gr part of a great spirit. And the interesting thing is that transformation from that burning and turning into a worm. It's almost like that cycle of life and death where, you know, we will become eventually food for the worm. And then yes. it's, just, it's yes. just kind of showing that connection. They're trying to show, again, back to the point of us not being able to handle what they're trying to tell us. Mm. They're almost trying to symbolize everything, use use symbols and right. imagery imagery and, and metaphors in ways we can if, understand. And if you go back to why that is, the Egyptians, hieroglyphics, is using imagery for the language to kind of help explain. Now, Dr. Hynek tries to explain some of this weirdness, uh, or at least not explain it, but he's chronicling that this is because, here's his point, and this is the, this is what the trap I was falling into. Because it gets so weird, you go, oh, this is bullshit. Right. He says, you can't do that. Because the amount of people claiming this stuff that were independent of each other and didn't know each other, that is similar in its weirdness. He said, mm. it's too stark. These people believe something happened to them, and we can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Alan Hynek has said that reports of close encounters of the third kind now would be called fourth kind. Right. Back then, it was classified, classified as third kind are characterized by a high degree of this type of strangeness. Indeed, this bizarre segment is essential to the unity of the overall narrative of these encounters. We dare not dismiss it because it may provide a focal point, the very reason for the abduction of Betty Andreessen. So don't just jump to the conclusion that it is BS. Now, eventually, Quasga has to go. <laughs> he has to say his goodbyes. And uh, he does say his goodbyes to Betty. And she tries to kind of ask him a little bit about, you know, why me? What's going on here? And here's Quasgar's part of his response, according to Betty. Now, this is where I got 
again, you know, I talked earlier about believing it, not believing it, sure. believing it, not believing it. I was hoping that, like, is this going to be like this, just like protect the earth thing, you know, yeah. someday it'll be revealed to you. And to be honest, there's a little bit of that. Here's what Quasga says in part. Man must understand many of the natural things on earth. <laughs> if man will... Why am I reading like Hannibal Lecter? <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> if man will just study nature itself, he will find many of the answers that he seeks. Within fire, there are many answers. Within ashes, within the highest of the high and the lowest of the low, are many answers. Now, the eagle, that could be the eagle and the worm. Mm. Man is just not made of flesh and blood. It would be easy to hand them to us, but that would show that we are not worthy to receive those. The knowledge is sought out through the spirit, and those that are worthy are given. Those that are pure of heart, that seek with earnestness, will be given. So he goes on and on. That we got to protect the earth. And <laughs> As Oh, yeah, we're approaching Earth Day, everyone. So this case has a lot... Uh, well, first, she, she goes home. She appears home. And uh, hold on to your seats, everybody. Uh, the new alien takes her home. Quasga's gone. And uh, the new alien is named... Forgive me. Jewhop. <laughs> Which I thought might be a dance for Jewish singles. Well, <laughs> it is the Jew hop. Let's no, what is that called, Carrie? It's called the matzo ball. Oh, yep. that's adorable. They yeah, they do that on Christmas, Christmas Eve. Yeah, for, yeah. Oh, uh, sorry, Carrie, your yeah, mic's my back mic's on. on. Christmas Eve. S- sorry, I turned off the mic of all the Jews in the room. J O O H O P guides her home. So in the end. Betty was regressed throughout the years. She never really had another encounter like that one, but she did have other encounters. Uh, Ray Fowler put her under several phases of hypnosis uh, after that. Here's something very interesting, and I know you're going back and forth and believing her or not, but they had told her that her twin sons would die in a car accident, and they predicted that. And it, it, it came. And it came. And it she, came there's proof. So, th- well, all right. I'm glad you said that. Nice segue into what does this story have going for it in terms of proof? One is that, that there's all kinds of high strangers in relation to the after effects of the story and the quote unquote proof of things being being validated. Black helicopters flying, flying over, over the house, house. Men in black. Men all in black. Stuff going during on. one of the mm-hmm. hypnosis sessions, an orb came in the room. This was sworn by everyone in the room, including a state trooper who saw it. Mm-hmm. A lo- an orb came in, sat there, like watched the session, yep, and then on the curtain. And, yep. a, and a great alien materialized for a few seconds. Right. And, then and they're like, did you see that? Everyone saw it. Another thing this has going for it is the year 1960. Seven. Thank you, Athletic Brewing Company. A vintage year for UFOs. Uh, The longest sustained UFO sighting wave in recorded history had begun in the spring of 1964. And by 1967, there was a flurry of UFO activity, Ronnie, right in and around... Central Massachusetts. Monsterland, baby. (laughs) Here's just a couple. January 15th, 1967, bright red oval object in Boxford, Mass. Three days later, Williamstown, Mass, four persons and police. Methuen, Mass, just days later. Then a house-sized object hovered a mere 300 feet away from a group of people in another Massachusetts town. February 16th, two policemen in Amherst, Massachusetts. February 17th, Andover, Massachusetts, large sighting. A few days later, Dorchester, Massachusetts. February 26th, 
Marlboro, Massachusetts. March 1st, Sharon, Massachusetts. And the coup de gras, as chronicled in the book by Ronnie LeBlanc, <laughs> motherfucking Monsolet, <laughs> in Lemonster, Massachusetts, the cemetery UFO. Yeah. Which I would recommend you go back to probably episode one of this podcast where you yeah. detail that. But a sighting, a very incredible sighting of a couple. So to me, that is more corroborative evidence that something was going on in Massachusetts around this time. And the death of her children's story is very interesting. She had a premonition and went to Ray Fowler and said, I need to talk to you guys. Something yeah. bad's going to happen. Yeah. And I'm scared. And he said, oh, nothing's going to happen. And they, her children died the next day, two of her sons. Right. So it's very easy to dismiss this stuff when you hear about big bald eagles and we're having fun with it and Quaz got all that. But there's enough stuff going on here in relation to this story that is worth another look. And, and in the end, I am compelled to think that as, as, as was said by the great Dr. J. Allen Hynek, at the very least, these people believe that this has happened to them and that alone then the question must be asked, well, what the hell happened? If you don't believe in aliens and you don't believe in being put under plastic seats and right. you don't believe that you know she was shot with it, then what the hell happened to her? It's This story is, is tying in with these new ones that are coming out. There's an organization called Free. Uh, and we're going to talk with a couple of their... It was started by um, astronaut and uh, Ray Hernandez, Mary Rodman, uh, J. Edgar Mitchell, and... Um, it talks about that there is something going on with this that might be more of a spiritual thing, a soul kind of thing yes, that they're working yes. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because they seem to know, one, they can control time. Right. But they seem to know past, present, and future all at once. They can predict these people's deaths or their deaths of their siblings or yes. you know kids. So that's just a weird aspect of this. That I feel like it is a... I've always been fascinated that the people that have... Uh, Focused on you know either believing in extra, extraterrestrial life or aliens, there is a strong religious belief that they have. Like you're you're Catholic. I, yep. I grew up uh, Pentecostal, yep. and and so there's that kind of God connection as well to all this, which I find really interesting. Now, one of the really compelling <clears throat> thoughts as to why this is all going on, like t again, we to what end? To what end? To what end? It's the question we always ask. It's the whole genesis of this podcast. Like what? What's going on with all this shit? Right. Um, one of the really compelling parts that was in this book, The Andreessen Affair by Ray Fowler, is that in a latter, later hypnotic regression, she says she was told by an alien, we are keepers of the seed, which ironically is what I call Yoko. <laughs> <laughs> that mankind is going, it's, it's not so much, oh, you got to take care of the earth, thank you. It's that we are going sterile. We are no longer going to be able to reproduce children of men, anyone. And that they are keeping our species alive because they love the human race. So that fits into the whole reproductive aspect. Yep, that the we hybrid hear in, program. Right, that the talked. hybrid. So it's not just that aliens are like effing with us. It's that they want to keep us going. So they're they're harvesting, you know, we've heard some of this before, and they're keeping us going through genetic manipulation think and of, reproduction. Uh, think of us as being an endangered species, right? Like yep. they would handle an animal right. and trying to make sure, oh, the, the panda, 
We got to keep them in captivity right. and mate and make sure they right. they're able to thrive, and then we can let them get back. And into think the wild. of it from the panda's perspective, right? You're sitting there eating bamboo, and a strange light or like some animal that's like tracked by a helicopter out in the wild, and they've got to tranquilize it. It's a strange light in the sky. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, you're out. Next thing you know, you're on a table. Next thing you know, weird things with creatures with masks are shooting stuff into you. Next thing you know, you wake up and you're back home and you're being tracked by something in the sky. And then the satellite is sending your location in Africa to someone in a lab. And we go, well, Betty's story is crazy. Well, it's happening right here on Earth for the panda. We the same thing. Right? Yeah. So there you go. The Andreessen Affair. I say it's a very compelling case. And again, it all started right in Lemister, Massachusetts, Ronnie. Great job on the recap. That was, that was fun, awesome. wasn't yeah. it? Awesome. That was a fun deep dive. All right, let's hear from you. Enough of us. How about a little Monster Mail? What do you say? Now it's time for Monster Mail. All right, Ronald, you had an interesting one. I did, yeah. I had um, so an article came out last week in the Worcester Telegram about my book and upcoming uh, book signing at Barnes & Noble on Saturday, April 27th nice. from 12 to 4. And a gentleman from Lemonster... <clears throat> Had actually saw the article and something stood out. You mentioned it in the in the book uh, from Raymond Fowler about UFO sightings between '66 and '68 in Central Massachusetts. And when he read that particular part of this article, uh, it flashed back that memory of him in 1966. He was 27 years old in Lemonster. He was with his beagle, and they were out like hunting rabbits, kind of tracking rabbits. Right. And he watched some orb, some uh, light, and he said, I'm colorblind. It was it looked yellow, but it probably was orange. Ah. But I watched it go from one end of the horizon to the other in six to seven seconds. It moved at a super fast clip. But he also said that it seemed to enlarge and decrease in size four or five times from that point, from one point of the horizon to the other. Oh and he said it was almost like a, a 25 cent piece is how he described it. And if you were to extend your hand and hold up a 25 cent piece, what that looks like, that would be the size of it. So he was trying to judge you know, how big this thing is. And he's a chemist. He's a, a man of science. And uh, he was just he could never figure that out. He's fascinated by it. And we talked a little bit more. He didn't recall any other paranormal experiences or things like that, but Here's a gentleman, his name is Dick McAllister, he's 81 years old, and the great interesting synchronicity and connection with all this is that his daughter is a teacher who used to teach with my sister uh, at school, oh at God. Northwest School in Lemonster. So wow. he, she went over to go see him, and he goes, oh, I'm so excited, I got this new book, and he showed her, it's Monsterland, and she goes, are you kidding me? And so wait, your, your late sister worked with his daughter. Daughter. Yeah. Oh, my God. They're, they're both teachers. Oh, my God. So just the, that weird connection. Yeah, another but synchronicity, yeah. brother. So I, I talked Incredible. to him today for a good 20, 20 30 minutes and um, uh, just try to talk to him a little bit about his story and just really fascinating. And he's still, he goes, you know, I'm a science guy. It's like I, I, but I can't I, explain what I saw. But I, he goes, I had to stick around and start watching the other objects in the sky, seeing the plane, mm-hmm. seeing this and that, just for my mind to go, this was something else and right. something different. But he's like, I don't believe in this psychic stuff and everything else, but I knew that this thing was not something I've ever seen before or since. That's and, it. Yeah. They can't explain it. And and I, you know, like how many of those stories are out there? Oh, there's tons. Right? There's of people tons. who he just happened to pick up your book. If he hadn't picked up your book, we he would have passed on and no one ever knew that he saw that. Exactly. Yeah. 
Amazing. Um, we also heard from Rick. Rick challenges us, Ronnie, in this monster oh, mail. Okay. So you guys really need to check out the show Supernatural. This ah. is in reference to last week. We did our monster media. <laughs> um, I'm listening to your most recent that's right, it was number one, David, uh, in the list of Supernatural shows. I'm listening to your most recent podcast right now, and I had to post just so I could come on here and tell you guys, you need to check that show out. It's now entering its 15th season, which they just announced will be their last season. If you want to talk about a show that is a cultural phenomenon, it's definitely the show. They have entire conventions dedicated to this show alone. My wife is a huge fan, and so am I. It's got action, funny, scary. It's got hot girls in it. Love you guys. The show is great. Well, thank you, Rick. We will check that out. Um, I had no idea it was such a big deal. We also heard from Craig Roberts, who had another challenge to us. Okay. He told us to watch a movie on Amazon Prime. We were lamenting lack of Bigfoot films. Sure, yeah. We've been through this before. <clears throat> we found Robert Kraskowski's movie, The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot. We reviewed that. And Craig says there's this badass movie called Big Legend. The trailer looks unbelievable. You got to check it out. So I watched it with my beloved Yoko. And uh, <clears throat> here's my review. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. Ronnie, would this qualify as a rant? I think it would, Dave. It's probably going to turn into one. Yeah. Okay. Maddie just polished off another Mountain Dew, which means, yes, time for another Maddie rant. Oh, it had so much potential. <laughs> it was well shot. It was well-constructed. It had a great goal, and that is to make a scary, in-the-woods Bigfoot movie and make Bigfoot the monstrous villain that eats human flesh and is just collecting bones and is in the woods, and it's scary. But it is so fucking horribly edited. <laughs> it is so... There's so many rookie filmmaker mistakes. It's just like one good editor could have could have made this from an F to an A, just in editing. So, like... The, the, the lead guy is completely, uh, he's fine. But he, so there's scenes where he's like lamenting his lost love. And he pulls out a, a, a fucking scarf and the camera pans from the scarf to his face no less than like five times. Scarf up to his face. No. Scarf up to his face. Scarf up to his face. Let's watch this guy who ain't exactly Lawrence Olivia. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let's watch him react to the scarf. Like, we get it. He misses her. Pick up the fucking camera that has the fucking picture of the Bigfoot so we can get in the fucking woods and get this movie started. You know, Maddie, we've been lamenting the dearth of Bigfoot movies for about four or five episodes of Monsterland in a row. And, uh, I think I'd like to say right now, there are too many Bigfoot movies. Well, there are. <laughs> so then, yo, so and let me just finish this up. It was well shot. I get, I, you know, all kidding it aside. It looks, the trailer looks trail, cool. It's, there's a lot of great parts. It's if it, it just needed to be cut down. It just needed to get to the action. It needed to get to it and get to it and it, get to it. And they just, the, the, it blew you know. their load on the trailer, apparently. Oh, yeah. no, it, but it's all, it's all could have been great. It, it's just rookie first-time filmmaker mistakes. You know, like, let's watch someone act. And let's watch, you know, just long scenes that just had no reason to be there. Adrian Barbeau uh, oh, tells a story to the, to the kids. She's like, you know, it was supposed to be like expository dialogue explaining that he's a searcher. So he needs to go find out what happened in the woods because his love is taken by the Bigfoot. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and uh, the analogy she gives is, you remember, honey, when that time your father hit all the eggs? And you had to go find those eggs and 
find the bunny who hid them. And I'm like, fucking Easter! <laughs> it's called Easter! It's called Easter! Everybody looks for the eggs! It doesn't make them special! Let's get to the point! Let's get to the woods! We get it! We don't need justification. His girlfriend was dragged off by a hairy monster. We don't need to hear what a searcher is. <laughs> If only they had a certain veteran actor on the set with a familiarity of the paranormal, someone right? that has that certain je ne sais quoi pas, oh. this movie might have turned out. I different. didn't even want to be in it. I just wanted to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> but then Yoko and I found this movie. So, oh, so Dave, you make a great point. We were lamenting that there's no Bigfoot movies. There are tons. Amazon Prime, I, I was reading you the list of yeah, them, Ronnie. It goes, there's, there's Bigfoot Takes Manhattan. There's Bigfoot <laughs> Takes <laughs> Bigfoot Drinks Some ABC, Athletic Brewing Company Beer. Um, Bigfoot goes on a rant. Oh, yeah. boy. Better get that 30-second fast-forward <laughs> button ready. It's time for another Maddie rant. But then we found kind of the antithesis of, of Big Legend. We found this little movie called Something in the Woods, made in two, 2015. And it's not great, but I'm going to call it a modern-day Boggy Creek. What made mm. Boggy Creek spooky was that they used the people, a lot of the townspeople, they weren't actors. So it was terrible stilted acting. But they were like recreates of yeah. things those people actually lived through. And I believe that this movie did the same thing. They're using the real people in that community, I believe. Uh, some of them must be just authentic, because you can tell. And, and, and they just tell their story in recreations. And it comes off gritty. It comes off 70-ish. It feels like it was shot in the 70s. Hmm. And um, it's really cool. It's got a lot of heart. You know, and the Bigfoot chase scenes, you can tell it's made for probably fucking $100,000. You know, yeah. they had no money. But it's, 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 I really enjoyed it. If you want kind of a modern day boggy creek, check out Something in the Woods, 2015. The movie's got a lot of heart. And um, it's cool. It's a cool Bigfoot movie. So there you go. This awesome. is my review. So you know what, Dave? We've been going so long. This is a bit of a different episode anyway. So let's make that our Monster Media X. We mentioned those movies. We'll do another mm -hmm. Monster Media next week. Sounds good. Uh, Ronnie, great deep I can dive. tease it. Sorry, I can tease it, Maddie. Go ahead. Yeah, next week on Monsterland, we'll do the paranormal TV shows and movies that you should be watching and streaming right now oh, in 2019. I, I like it. Yes. I dig I need it. some yeah. new stuff. Yeah. You know what? We need like a monster wreck because I found a great book. Um that I want to recommend to people, and you you have one oh, too. So yeah. we'll, we'll come up with some segment where we recommend yeah. just like that. Um, but what a great deep deep dive, Ronnie, into an old case file. Yeah, great job. One of the legendary ones ever, and um, I really enjoyed it. What's your final analysis on the Andreessen affair? Yay or nay? I think I've had the same issues that a lot of people have had. That the story itself gets just really wacky. That I think. Uh, it kind of needs to be looked at, but it's almost, to your point, there's so much of it that it's like, okay, this either is real or it's so not real. But I feel like she's been through so many different uh, hypnosis and the, you know, the husband and then other people experiencing things with the black helicopter. So it's, it's not just an illusion. I think there's definitely something going on with this whole case. And this area we know is, is crazy. I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of the hypno hypnotic regression. I was making the analogy in my mind on the way here. I was trying to think of how to kind of sum it up. Betty Andreessen's story, how to sum it up. This legendary story in this world that we live in mm. of these things. And I think it's a little bit like the money pit in Oak Island. Uh, there's truth there. Something was there for some reason. Something happened there. But there's been so much work underground from the Dunfield era to the, all the, it's a mess down there. And it's really hard to separate 
what is searcher and what is treasure. Mm. And I think her mind at this point is a little bit like that. I think something happened to her. I think something real happened to her. But I think with all this hypnotic regression and all these experiences she's had, some of it is jumbled up with her religious beliefs. Yeah. Some Christianity in there, some demonology in there, some paranormal in there, and it's just a mess. Yeah. And I don't think we'll ever truly know what happened to her. Yeah, because I feel like it's not all 100% everything is as... But... Correct, nor is it 100% bullshit. Correct. Right? Yes. So yeah. it, it, it's, it's something happened to her, and that makes it so goddamn fr frustrating and goddamn fascinating. If I didn't experience the things that I've already experienced that I'm going through still now, right. I would not believe her. But right. I... You're living you, it right yeah, now, oh, pretty yeah. much. My family, my you know yeah. kids, like going through... So there yeah. is something to this place and to her story yeah. and this whole thing. All right, we want to hear from you, monsters. What do you think of our deep dive into the Andreessen affair? Yay or nay? True, did it happen, or is this must do about nothing? Was this a bored, hot '70s mom wife <laughs> with with a story he said to tell? Let's hear from you. How can people reach us, Ronnie? Monsterland Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, we'll be back next week with an all-new episode, and we will get to Ronnie's ectoplasm. For Ronnie LeBlanc, producer Kerry, producer Dave, I'm Maddie Blake. This is Monsterland. Until next time, monsters, take care of each other. It's scary out there. Thank you for joining us on the Monsterland Podcast. If you or someone you know has an experience to share, or if you have questions, you can reach us at monsterlandreport at gmail.com. Find us on social media at Monsterland Pod. Until we meet again in Monsterland. He said his name was Quasgoth.